Hey everyone, how's everyone doing? Yes, we got some energy in different pockets of the room. I'm gonna pray that just like spreads across evenly, but doesn't peter out. So just like, I hope like, let's stay together. I'm so glad that you all came. That means maybe you have a friendly neighbor that dug you out. Maybe you dug yourself out. Maybe like you live somewhere where something happened and you're just, it was good. But thank you for coming even amidst uh, some lingering effects of the snow. We are grateful uh, that you're here. I'm going to uh, introduce our time together. We've been in a series called Walking Backwards into the Future, and this is our last week in the series. It's our last week together uh, walking through this material, looking at what God is doing. Uh, And the whole time we've been doing this, we've been anchored on this verse from a letter to the Corinthians. This is the second letter. Um, Todd mentioned this earlier. It's, we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, by trust, by relationship, in the rhythms of being with God, not by our sight of what we think or what we feel or what we are uh, kind of aware of in the future. Part of that's because when we look at the future, usually we get anxious. There's some uh, fitful anxiety we have about usually the work we have to do, some kind of labor that we're wondering about, like toiling over. So we turn our back to that anxiety And instead, we decide to be rooted in God's ancient story, saying there's something there for us. We're aware and present to God's current speech over us and over our communities. And we also listen, and we're attentive to God's picture of this heavenly kingdom. So we're anchored in the past. We're listening to God's voice presently, currently. And we're also thinking about what are the pictures of the future that we're actually anchored to and tied to way more than our anxiety way more than our worries. Those things are going to affect us, but they're actually fake. They're they're not from the good God in heaven. But there's real things we're actually tied to that are going to happen with us or without us. So let's join this journey of walking backwards into the future. When we do that, we walk by faith, not by sight. The last three weeks, we went over having the faith to go, having the faith to start small, having the faith to build, And this week, we're talking about having the faith to dream. The faith to dream. A dream is a powerful thing. It's a picture of what's possible, of what's possible even if you're not close to achieving it. And like a picture, uh, a dream is really worth a thousand words or more. It can give hope. It can inspire. It can connect us to one another, to deep longings inside the human heart. Dreams can move people in ways that not much else can at all. One of uh, my favorite books and a book that I read in college was called this, A Stone of Hope. A Stone of Hope. If you're into kind of reading books about civil rights movement, this would be one to get. The book essentially says that the civil rights movement won not because of just, hey, that was a good idea. Like, there's kind of like some like liberal politics ideas that just like kind of advance human reasoning. Oh, yeah, we should treat people equally. So it just won out as if it was inevitable. The book doesn't say that. Instead, it says that uh, the speech and action of the movement was rooted in a prophetic tradition, in a religious tradition. And it it, it was birthed and rebirthed and it, it kind of grew as something like a renewal or a revival movement. It awakened a religious revival that led to solidarity, that led to self-sacrifice, 
Where else have we seen things like this? It's been throughout human history, but where else have we seen things like this? Where the beauty of what people were for called them to put their bodies on the line. Simply put, the vision of this dream was so beautiful that nothing could stop it. People were compelled to sacrifice, to suffer, and to endure anything that came their way until they won, at least in the short term. Where segregationists held the power of guns, the power of violence, the power of political might, these are very real things they had, they did not have the power of a beautiful story. This stone of hope, this book, ultimately says that was their downfall, the downfall of the segregationists. Segregation isn't a beautiful story, and it wasn't integrated in an authentic spirituality among white Southerners. Like, there was something happening in the black church, something happening in the wider body of Christ as Dr. King challenged white moderates, challenged other people of religious appeal, sincere religious people, he called them, to come but there wasn't a movement in the church for segregation. It wasn't a sincere movement. It wasn't tied to a deeper story or a beautiful story. So it lost, again, at least for a time. Our life rises and falls on the story we're living in. Is it a story anchored in an ancient story, aware of God's present speech and attentive to God's picture of the future heavenly kingdom. ECVers, what story are you living today, presently, like in this moment, as you're right here, what story are you living in? Is it beautiful? Is it one where God is with you? And I have a question for you. Can you receive a dream today, a dream from God about this story? Even if you're tired today, even if your back's against the wall, even if you've been here or listening or not, and you don't have the faith to go, you don't have the faith to start small, you don't have the faith to build, can you still today receive faith to dream, to simply receive part of the story? Notice these other ones are a little bit more action-oriented. Our last talk is saying, hey, 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 anybody, Will you just receive? Will you receive a dream? Because I believe when we receive a dream in our hearts, it changes us. It anchors us. It calls us forward even before we do anything. It shapes who we are completely. These other ones, they were a little bit more action, right? A little bit more stepping out. This is just will you receive? Not something of your own making, not a fantasy, but a dream from the living God. Do you have faith to receive that today? And do you have faith to share it? Two Mondays ago, we celebrated MLK Day. We did that as a church a number of ways, going to the Youth Without Limits uh, uh, a service project that we did together, doing some things for kids and families. And as a church, we linger on this holiday. We explore it more in the month of January to, to just uh, highlight God's work not only in MLK's life, but in the entire civil rights movement. And my hope is that as we've done this, your faith, your, your sense of life and purpose has been expanded. As you can see how faith can change things. It can change things in your own life. It can change things in your city. It can even change things in the world. 
Faith can get you unstuck. Faith can bring together communities. This is the power of it. Walking by faith, not by sight, changes us and then begins to change everyone and everything. Starts with us and then it moves outwards from there. And sometimes it does start with this dream. I'm gonna read just a little bit of an excerpt for us today. Uh, it'll be rather short of Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech. It's something that probably you've heard of, maybe you've even listened to it into its entirety, maybe you've read it, uh, and it can be a little bit cliche at this point in 2022, but there's something about the language or something about a picture that he's giving us that I think is actually from God. It includes parts of scripture, stories from this bigger story of God. MLK says, I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted and every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope and this is the faith that I go back to the south with. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. That is rooted in a story, an ancient story. As another pastor in the vineyard, Ted Kim says, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. And our dream won't be exactly the same as MLK's. Anyone trying to sell you that, that's probably not a good deal. It's not gonna be exactly the same, just like MLK wasn't a carbon copy of the scriptures that he quoted from, the scriptures that he was uh, kind of rhyming off of. But there will be something that happens to us as we look to the past for a dream from God, just like MLK did, one that compelled our country into the future. The question is, will we do that same thing for our own lives, our own city, our own nation, our own world? Godly dreams aren't fantasies. They're rooted in the reality of a story. Crucially, the story of our sin and brokenness. But these stories lift us out of the muck and mire, and they take us to a future heavenly kingdom. Can our dreams rhyme with the living God? Let's ask for that power today. Let's pray together. God, we want to be part of your story. We thank you that you commit to being part of ours. We thank you, Lord, for the way that you're with us right now. And we ask, Lord, out of so many temptations we have to just buck and go in a different story, would you root us in yours? And have that change our lives, Jesus. Amen. The Bible is a book of dreamers, people that receive literal dreams in the night, people that interpret dreams, people that hear from God in dreamlike visions or pictures, people that speak hope, God's hope for humanity, that contain pictures of a new world. 
We're going to focus on Isaiah today. Todd actually already read from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah uh, chapter 55. And Isaiah was a prophet used by God to warn people in Israel of the sin that would lead to God's judgment over their community and to call people to the hope of God, to be the people of God which they were called to be. And as Isaiah begins his prophetic journey, he receives a call, he receives some coal, and he remains committed to share the dream when it's easy and when it's hard, when the dream is lofty and hopeful, and when that dream acknowledges sinful reality. Let's enter in. We're going to begin our journey in Isaiah chapter 6. If you have a Bible, you can open it up and turn there. You can also read from the screen if you'd like. Isaiah 6 says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs, which were kind of angelic beings, were in attendance above him. Each had six wings, with two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. Strange creatures. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, that's Isaiah, and I said, Woe is me! I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah is moved by the holiness of God. He receives some kind of picture or vision. It's kind of unclear exactly what it is, and this completely overwhelms him. The beauty of God, this heavenly dream, what does it do to Isaiah? It calls him to confess his reality. His reality is this, woe is me. I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I love this passage because we see very clearly that God is holy and we are not. God is holy and Isaiah says, sorry, can't join you with that seraph. This is too intense for me right now. The holiness is too much. But what do we also see here? We have to enter in a little bit more deeply to really connect this. We see God give a wonderful vision to an unclean man. Do you catch that? Like as much as Isaiah is saying, woe is me, what is he doing? He's receiving a vision from God. This unclean man is receiving speech from God. Isaiah's call comes before his coal. And that's important for us to realize. Someone felt it over there. Your call comes before your coal. God's activity in your life starts before you're ready to be with a holy God. Your spiritual journey, your life of faith, it actually begins before you think it starts. It begins before you think you're ready. It begins when you're in the muck and the mire, when you're unclean. Isn't that scandalous? The activity of God comes before we're ready, even before we're right with God. And in response, Isaiah is crying out, woe is me. I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips among unclean people. But here's a line, even Isaiah gets what's going on. 
And yet, my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I'm unclean. My people are unclean. And yet, I still see the King. I see his mighty angels. This is the first thing we have to learn about having the faith to dream. Primarily, y'all, it simply means being open, being ready to receive, being ready to say yes and respond, not out of perfection, but just out of a, I had a heavenly vision, and I'm going to acknowledge it. That happened. And guess what? I am not that heavenly vision. Like, I am not that holy. I am not this thing I'm seeing. I am a part. And yet, God's decided to share more of who he is with me. How many of you are, how many of you all are waiting right now? You're waiting to get right. You're waiting to be purified by coal. We'll see this in a little bit before your call. You're waiting for some kind of deeper way that you're going to be together with God. What we see for Isaiah his call moment is what leads him to more cleansing, not the other way around. Some of you here, this is the whole message for you. Like this is the, the end all be all. This is where you are right now. You have a God that's willing to be with you right now before you get right with God in whatever way you think you need to. God can use you right now God can speak to you right now, right here. Receive your call as you're on your way to this coal purification that we'll get to. Receive your call. This kind of cleansing comes as we respond to the living God, not before. For some of you, you're like, duh, of course. Like, I'm not going like, to get right with God. But, like, I need more of God. I need to know more of what God's doing. But for some others of us, it really is a nope. I'm going to be here. Until I can fix this, I can't come in the presence. We need to know the Lord wants to do something right now to give us a call. Some of my most powerful spiritual experiences came when I didn't think they were going to happen at all. When I was stuck in either negative thought patterns, stuck in sin, stuck in despair, and all of a sudden God shows up and I had a dream in the night. Someone gave me a prophetic word. Someone uh, kind of tapped me and said, hey, I have, a, I have a sense for you. I, I encourage me. And then from a place of uh, overwhelm, a place of tears, a place of, really, God? What? I was able to receive what the Lord was doing. I was able to get that cleansing I needed as I was going, as I was on the way. When I was kind of waiting or in despair, I, I couldn't do that. But when I let the journey him take over, all of a sudden I found myself more like Isaiah. I, I'm just unclean, but you're speaking to me, so I guess let's go. This passage continues confirming Isaiah is not simply just being dramatic here. He, he does have real sin, and he does need real cleansing. We see that in this next passage. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. I love how the, the coal gets tongs there but the coal is going to touch the mouth soon. There's no tongs here. There's like, there's a little bit of, hey, this is really hot. Oh, that very hot thing is going right on my lips. What? The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. 
Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and say to this people. And there's a message that God shared with Isaiah. Before Isaiah accepts a call to speak for God, he does receive a cleansing from this hot coal. His guilt actually did depart from him, and his sin is blotted out. He doesn't just kind of casually go and say, okay, looks like I'll just keep speaking for God. There's a moment where he is changed, where there is a a transfer. There there is a, a real touch from God, real guilt that gets acknowledged before the Lord and dealt with. This is so important because our calling can come before our coal, but our coal, God's cleansing us, it actually does real work. Real work. It does real work to get us prepared to share this dream that we've received from others. In fact, all good dreams reckon with and acknowledge reality. Isaiah is called, but he's also sinful. God has a way through that tension and even supposed contradiction, a burning coal that can do the work of cleansing. It's not like God just says, okay, let's just keep going. The seraph deals with Isaiah and his own admission of guilt. I'm unclean. Where Isaiah would want to say he's done for, thank you, Bible Project, for these helpful thoughts and uh, pictures, where the, uh, Isaiah would want to say on the left, I'm done for. The seraph says, no, you're purified. Now go. And the whole thing on the right, that's part of the message God said to him. Israel has been cut off, but there is a holy seed that's left acknowledgement, right, of sin, of judgment. Israel's been cut off. It's like a stump, but also hope. It's still growing, though. God isn't afraid of our sin that can make us doubtful of our ability to receive a dream from God, much less live that dream out. He isn't afraid of it, but he does cleanse us from it. Will we let the Lord cleanse us, or will we stay in our own sin, refusing to dream with God, maybe because we believe the nightmarish lies about ourselves are true? And perhaps more importantly, those nightmarish lies we believe are inevitable, irreparable. The reality is we are unclean, but there's hope, real hope for God to cleanse us. And the tension of acknowledging that reality for hope, that reality that we look for hope even while we struggle with sin and judgment, that's what Isaiah does this whole book of the Bible. If you've read it, you know. It just goes back and forth, hope and judgment, judgment and hope, hope and judgment. He's dealing with a rebellious people who are radically called to something higher. But he doesn't simply offer heavenly promises of the future, kind of just like, kind of dolling them out like an Oprah Carr thing. Like, you get a heavenly future, you get a heavenly future, you get a heavenly future. Without acknowledging there's real brokenness. Look at these two pictures that help us understand the situation. There's this old Jerusalem. There's rebellion, idolatry, injustice. But there's a purifying fire that leads to a new Jerusalem, justice and peace for all nations. Both of these things are true. To ignore one wouldn't have integrity. To just focus on the old Jerusalem would be far too depressing, far too untrue to what God will do. But to focus just on the new Jerusalem without acknowledging the old Jerusalem, that's more like a fantasy. It doesn't deal with the reality of where we are. All good dreams deal with the reality of where we are. The once upon a time, right, tells the the part of the bad story and happily ever after says what's going to happen in the end, that things will be well. You need both for a godly dream, an acknowledgement of sin and brokenness, but not staying there. God's far too good to have us stay there. That's what makes these dreams from God, not fantasies. And so we've got to look at our own life. We see the other tension here, judgment and hope, Isaiah straddling both. We can look at our own story 
and say, are our dreams rooted in reality? Do they acknowledge our brokenness? Do they acknowledge our sin? But are they also tied to the hope of what's to come? Are they just fantasies where they're not rooted in reality? Or maybe they're just far too depressing. They're not tied to that new life that we have in Christ. It's so easy to look at our reality and become cynical or to ignore our reality as our only way to dream of something better. Did y'all catch that? It's easy to look at reality and just become cynical and stay there, and cynicism becomes our way. But it's also easy to ignore reality to say, well, that's how I get to a better place. That's how I get to a fantasy of, I'm going to live there because it's just too much otherwise. God doesn't choose either option. The same is true for godly dreaming. Godly dreaming is ruthlessly unafraid to be honest, and yet is unashamedly unreserved to let God's radical vision of abundance and flourishing be the good news that we're all longing for. I am a man of unclean lips, living among a people of unclean lips, and yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. We see reality all around us, and we feel the brokenness of reality inside of us, and yet we remain called to receive dreams, to let dreams awaken and encourage us and to share them with others. We receive a call, a call from God, an actual call from God, even in our brokenness, and it turns us towards the mercy of God. We receive coal to cleanse us, a purifying fire, and it makes us ready for a lifetime of receiving and sharing the dreams of God for an unclean people. An unclean people that he's cleaning more, cleansing more every day. And we commit to not only receive, but to share that dream. That's the step. That's the faith. That's the trust we have. That's it. To just be open to receive. To let it impact us. And then to give it away. To share that picture. Remember, a picture's worth a thousand words. When we receive that dream, it changes us, but when we share it, it can change others. That's not even work. It's just sharing, I believe this thing. I trust this is where the story is going. This is what I feel like I'm tied to. I feel like it's what we're tied to. I'm just going to share that with you today. That's it. Like, that's it. In the remaining time that we have, I want us to do something uh, a little different before I, I give a call. I want us to just respond to dreams, pictures that God has for God's community going to invite people up to read some scripture, just like corporately read scripture over us so we can catch on to the dream that God has for us. My first one was actually Isaiah 55, which Todd already read, so we, we have that part already. You received it when you received communion. But what I want you to do is to just be in a posture of receiving, to maybe close your eyes, to ask for the Spirit's presence to come, to be open to words or phrases that stick out to you, bring them closer to your heart. If things distract you or are unknown, you can just let them kind of bounce off of you. We're not necessarily like trying to like hold on, be like, I don't get that yet. Just, let, just receive. And then even as you're listening to Scripture being read, listen to what God might be saying to you. And ultimately, these are messages of love, so rest in God's love. I'm going to uh, call some people up. This is uh, not planned, so if you don't want to do it, you can just say you don't want to do it. Um, but Ben, do you mind coming up? I want you to uh, read this first one. Again, these are going to have uh, different ways of acknowledging reality but also calling us forward. You can just read the prayer and then say what's wrong. Reading forward here? Yep, and then it goes columns. 
Holy Spirit, help us receive a dream for justice, even as we harm others through wrongdoing. Isaiah 58. Shout it out loud, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen, only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is, it, is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is, it not this, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderers with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry, and satisfy the need of the oppressed. Then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in the sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will rise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairers of broken walls, restorers of streets with dwellings, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on the holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land, and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Thank you. Kiva, can you read this next one? Holy Spirit. Help us to receive a dream for a mission you invite us to behold and become a part of. This is Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for prisoners 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people of the Lord, that the Lord is blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness as a bridegroom adores, adorns his head like a priest's and as the bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up, and as a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. One more that I'll read for us. Remember, godly dreams have to acknowledge hard things, broken things, but they also call us greater. Isaiah 53, Holy Spirit, help us receive a dream that a broken man heals our brokenness. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land and of the living, for the transgression of my people, he was punished. 
He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. Then though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a great portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. There's something about those godly dreams that can embrace the pain, they can embrace the suffering, and they still call us higher. They call us to where God is taking us. These dreams are coming reality. God's kingdom is coming. Will we receive the call and hear from God? Will we let this heavenly coal cleanse us and take away our sins? Will we commit to share the dream that God is giving us? Here are some invitations before uh, we respond together and the worship team can come up. Uh, like we've done every week, ask for the gift of faith. It's a spiritual gift. Let's ask for God's power to be here today. Where are you letting shame or sin keep you from receiving a call from God? Where are you saying, no, 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 I've got to get right first before I get a call? Confess sin and ask God for forgiveness today. There is a real need for us to get right. There is a real need for us to seek healing. Just ask for it, as you would ask a loving parent. And lastly, receive a call to go and share a godly dream with your context. There's still a call to go here, but first, there really is a call to receive. There really is a call to say, I want a picture, I want a vision, I want something that I can hold on to, something I can see that would change me, that would draw me forward, even when I'm weak, especially when I'm weak, when I'm tired. We've had calls, you know, for have, to have faith to go, to have faith to start small, faith to build, and today's is just simply to have faith to dream. Because some of us are here in a weary place, and we haven't been dreaming. We haven't been open to it. And that's the, the call today, to say, yes, I want to receive dreams from the Lord. Yes, I want those dreams to call me deeper into relationship with God. And I even want to share those dreams with others. So like we've done every week, if that's something you want to receive today, the faith to dream, and it's not even dream big, dream small, just to dream, maybe to dream again, or dream for the first time with Jesus, I want to invite you to stand, to say yes to dreaming with God. You can just pop up from where you are. Faith to dream again, from a place of weariness. Maybe a place where you haven't been inspired. And acknowledge what God's doing by praying the Holy Spirit, just a prayer of welcome and invitation for all of us, not just those who are standing. If you're standing, I do invite you to just uh, open up your hands like you're receiving a gift. I'm going to invite Todd up to see if there's any more words, but I want to pray right now. <clears throat> God, we pray right now that your power would be here. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is real and active and among us. Thank you, God, that this dream it's your dream. It's not anyone standing. It's not anyone's in this room. And Lord, there's something about this dream where you can give it to us in so many different ways. Right now, I just activate the power and the spiritual gift of prophecy, of hearing from the Lord. Lord, I open up 
your uh, spiritual language of dreams, even dreams in the night to these ones. Lord, would they go to sleep and find themselves waking up with dreams from you? Lord, I pray that you would shake off right now discouragement, shake off right now uh, a kind of weariness. And where their, their, uh, their, their lives with you or their life has maybe had a little bit more fantasy or cynicism, whichever one it is, Lord, would you call them back to that godly dreaming in the center where they can be anchored to reality, but also you're so good that you wouldn't ever keep them there, keep their dreams there. Holy Spirit, bring your power right now. We just wait on you a little bit. I feel like there's a group of you that has a particular dream for healing. Uh, there's healing that you want to see either between peoples or healing that you want to see uh, in the face of a problem. And I feel like the Lord wants to give you inspiration. That it's not just going to be through your effort that people come together or through people see like a, a way forward when it doesn't seem like there's any way. But I feel like the way that Jesus is highlighting is healing. Like there's a sickness or a brokenness that the Lord wants to show you. And the Lord wants to provide healing that he'll give you. So Lord, we just uh, pray for that, like the, the healing of the Lord. And I feel like it's like, for sure, be healed yourself, but I feel like it's that you're going to carry the healing, that the dream is sort of a healing dream, almost like a stream that's going to find its way to other people. So that's you to say yes to that, say amen to that. I feel like there's something God wants to do in bringing healing and using you.